Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. There are those who fear change, those who welcome change, and those who drive change. At Nissan, we've always believed in driving change. Now, the all-new Nissan Qashqai is here. With the style and tech you want and the power you need, it's the future-proof family car. So, are you ready for change? The all-new Nissan Qashqai, electrified with mild hybrid power. Book a test drive today at nissan.ie. Nissan. Innovation that excites. Welcome everybody to the Blood and Mud podcast, the podcast that didn't know it needed the Six Nations quite as much as it did. It's funny that, isn't it? I was extremely kind of like, eh. Yeah, this is snuck up on us. I don't feel that yeah, excited. Yeah, not really that excited. And then I'm it dead. started, and I was like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. <laughs> exactly. We were all, ooh. Uh, Yes. I'm Lee. Hello. And over there is... Hi, I'm Josh. Waiting my turn for a change. Yes, indeed. Yeah, I'm glad that yeah. hasn't developed into a habit. <laughs> um, so, I'll start off with some correspondence, Josh. I'll oh, do some hello. correspondence, because... Fish, who's a lovely patron, gets in touch via the Patreon messaging service. And he says, please be sure to congratulate Josh for both his teams successfully managing to win this week. I know, it's weird. He said, I'm sure he'll still have plenty to complain about, but can you please make sure that he spends at least a little bit of time being happy beforehand? So can we get, shall we do day. that now? Shall we talk I'll about I've been very happy all day. I notice you're wearing a Tampa Bay Buccaneers jersey. Right I, I see I'm there. Good going to work through every single item of Tampa Bay Buccaneers clothing that I have over the next couple of weeks. And there's quite a lot. And I'll level with you, patrons. Uh, you've, uh, I spent a lot of your money this morning on uh, Super Bowl <laughs> on champion. champion 2021 shirts. <laughs> yeah, see, because what I do is, because Rugby Shirt Watch has an affiliate deal with Fanatics. Right. Um, for their, all their rugby stuff, obviously. But also, I can just use that power to get affiliate cash on the NFL stuff that they sell. So I lull, I convinced myself that 
it's just savvy shopping because I'm get I'm I'm actually sort of I'm buying from I'm I'm giving money back to myself. What just do you by... mean? You, what do you mean you spent three hundred quid? Yeah, but I've got twenty quid back. <laughs> well, I got two percent of that back as an affiliate. <laughs> Always thinking. Uh, yeah. I'm by I think I'm basically my my own best customer on that. <laughs> but you know, it's nice nice look. It's a nice little well, You're getting messages from the bank. We want to make sure these purchases are actually you. Could you, keep doing the same you spend a lot of money on fanatics. <laughs> we noticed that you live in Bristol, but you keep buying stuff from Florida. Is this the right? Is this correct? I got one of them once where the bank texted me and said, Are these transactions you? And within 22 minutes, I bought something for under a fiver in Argentina, Malaysia, and Singapore. Like, no, that's not me. I live in Flint. Yeah. As as much as I'd like me to be a globetrotting. Which I'd like to the ability to teleporting (laughs) to be like jumper in that terrible film. Yeah. Sadly, it is not me. So yeah, so you're happy then. Oh mate, fucking. Even though you imagine you're sleep deprived. I'm quite sleep deprived. I didn't have the day off today, yeah. But I still woke up about ten o'clock. But yeah, I just Really weird. It's really weird when, and it's really a challenge for me personally, when your team sort of gets to a a sort of game of that significance as heavy underdogs. Well, they're world champions now, Josh. World yeah. champions. I mean, to be fair, there is nobody better in the world at American football than the Americans. <laughs> so, but like, yeah, it's weird when you get to that and you're heavy underdogs and you're sort of expecting it to be the longest you know, three or four hours of your life. And after about, you know, one and a bit quarters, even though you don't want to admit it to yourself because you're a relentless pessimist, you're thinking, fucking hell, we've got this. Well, I uh, I didn't stay up and watch it because I was tired and I've, I've, all my NFL energy went on the Browns and that was enough for this season. Yeah, and I, uh, But I did wake up this morning with my Google alert. I was mm. like, oh, here we go. Looks like fucking hell. Was it thirty-one-six or something? Thirty-one. Uh, yeah, thirty-one-nine in the fucking end. Fucking hell. Yeah, and I was like, Jesus Christ. It was a proper fucking pasting, and I refused to acknowledge the fact that it was a proper fucking pasting. But I watched the game back again this afternoon, um, and yeah, it was an absolute. It was a, a properly comprehensive one-sided beating them in every facet of the game. It's it's the sort of thing that it's it's the closest thing I can sort of compare it to is kind of thirty three. Yes, or it's that level of just like Wales England in twenty thirteen. Yeah, where it's just like everything clicks and you are ab- just absolutely battering them, and it's kind of weird. You can't, you almost can't enjoy it in real time because it doesn't seem like it. I don't can think go I would like well. it. I think I would, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I, know I how did to like do, it. I, won't so I was. Exactly. The thing I didn't know what to do with it. I was genuinely just like, "Well, the other shoes, the, sh- the other shoes got to drop at some point here, you know. <laughs> at some point, somebody is going to have to." Having a successful sports team wouldn't align well with my values. Well, my so core does... values. I would feel. I would feel. I would feel a sense of what Durkheim called anime. I think. <laughs> it's. It was such a sort of sense of just yeah. I didn't like you know. I've been a, a Buccaneers fan for like you know, eight, 17, 18 years now. And like, in that time, I think they've had three winning seasons and they've been to the playoffs twice before this season. And most of the rest of the time, they haven't even been average. 
They've been properly fucking rubbish. And I revel in that. <laughs> yeah. But like, yeah, it's weird, man. It suits our reading of the world down to the ground. Absolutely it? it does. And so I'm, you know... I'm so what a weekend the... it's been. And there you yeah. go, Fish, because he has been a bit happy first. Yeah, and, and, and apologetically happy. Not about Wales, but you know. Oh, there you go. There it is. Look. There he is, look. We'll come to that. Fish says, I look forward to this week's podcast and trust that the two of you will keep me entertained for an evening while it's too cold to go outside because it's currently minus 31 degrees C what the actual where fuck? I live and not expected to get much warmer all week. This may happen every winter around here, but it's still never fun. I don't know where around here where is. Where the you fuck are you living? Canada minus 31. or... The Antarctic. Canada or that, <laughs> Minnesota or somewhere, I'm guessing. Is, is, yeah, it? or he's in an Arctic research station somewhere. Yes, he could be. Do you yeah, know that it's... in order to be a, a little tangent here, do you know that in order to be a doctor at a, uh Antarctic research station, you have to have your appendix removed, even if you don't need it out? What, because the cold weather makes it expand or something? Uh, I think that's part of it, but also because there's only one doctor for these remote Antarctic research stations. Uh, Basically, if you're yeah. the doctor and you get appendicitis, apparently there was a Russian doctor in the 60s that removed his own appendix. Um, very on brand <laughs> for a Soviet doctor. That, apparently he uh, got some of his fellow antarctic people to basically he sort of local anesthetized himself vodka and he started himself drank a lot of vodka i'm going to assume uh then you got his colleagues to sort of clamp him open and then he sort of just popped in there and shushed it shushed it out with the aid of some so, mirrors i love his colleagues would be saying well you've got a choice you can either remove your own appendix <laughs> or die and your family will suffer the shame of doing a bad exactly. job on antarctica because yeah. there's, there's no way khrushchev is standing for this yeah there's no way that you can get to a hospital in time to save a burst or inflamed appendix. So Yeah, when you when your nearest hospital is in probably what, South Georgia or yeah. Argentina or yeah. something. That's Maybe nearly New as bad Zealand as living in West Wales. Yeah. <laughs> the waiting times are slightly less. <laughs> <laughs> there, that's your labour on Wales for you, Josh. Hey? Eh? 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 Quite. What were we talking um, about? Uh, I don't know. I just went on a tangent or not because I read that last week and I was just like, that's so weird. But yeah, fish, stay warm, won't you? Get some hot yeah, water bottles. Hell, yeah, yeah. It's quite cold here today, but it's Put not big minus 31. On. Yeah, probably a big coat and a jumper, I'd say. Well, yeah, yeah. don't yeah. forget your gloves, etc., etc. Don't try and wee outside. Oh, definitely not. So yeah, I've talked about that correspondence. So I think we probably had as, as warm as Josh is going to be and happy. Yeah, but that's, absolutely. This is as good as it gets. He's wearing a Buccaneers top. I can see the glow coming from his face. It's wonderful. I'm just fucking delighted. Yeah. If you want to get in touch with us like Fish has, mm-hmm. I'm at Blood and Mud on the you DMs are. or, or leeatbloodandmud.com and you are? Uh, I'm at Josh Gardner uh, at Rugby Shirt Watch and indeed RugbyShirtWatch.com. We're on Apple. We're on Acast. We're on podcast we places. We're on Patreon.com slash Blood and Mud. Thank you, everybody. For your continued support, we mm-hmm. give you all of our respect. Of course, you've got a two pound you can pay or a twenty quid yeah. a year and gets you access to everything. But we won't announce your name on here for that. You just get our thanks with a bit of an email. But if you want your name announced and us having a go at what kind of player you are, then you've got to join the VIP lounge, which is five yeah, pound do. a month or fifty quid for the whole year. Um, and these are the people who've decided to sign up this week. Firstly, 
we've got Craig Hogg, um, who says, um, he emailed actually and said, it's him who signed up, but could we please do his wife? Oh. Not in that way. Actually do the name. Thank God and for said, that. said uh, Francesca Capaldi. Hello. Um, so I, here I'll do have a go at this. Born in Scotland... Francesca opted for the country of her ancestry and became the became the women's Sergio. In fact, many people say that Sergio was the men's Francesca. Fucking right, they do. 172 caps at number eight. Captain Lovely. played two years longer than she should have done, and actually got to take or insisted on taking convergence for the last 12 months of her career with a 12 percent success rate in kicks. But nobody dared take the ball off her. Francesca has now retired and would like to point out that she is not related to that singer. No. Or that Doctor Who, presumably. Louis Capaldi, right? Yeah. Seen him being interviewed. Really, yeah. really funny man. Yeah, really like him as a like seems like Unbelievably a good funny laugh, bloke. Really yeah. genuinely funny bloke. Then makes good self deprecating music that yeah, sounds like is- that absolutely fucking dreadful how do you do, i don't know how you draw a line between that person being interviewed <laughs> it's and weird, that music. it might just like james yeah. blunt on twitter isn't it how does that it, man on twitter become yeah. that music it's sort of weird that like he because his self his sense of humor is so dry yes and so self-deprecating and so genuinely witty yeah i saw an interview once and he said you know why did you sell it out to all these stadiums? He said, just pure, raw sexual energy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's he's genuinely extremely funny. And then and where, at what point do you then, when you comes to sit down at a piano or whatever, and you just go, I'm going to write some fucking mushy bilge <laughs> and sing it earnestly. Yeah. yeah, every single one of them doesn't get above 60 beats per minute. <laughs> but I suppose if you're a person starting in music at the minute, you look at Adele and you look at, Sheeran and you look at Blunt and you think fuck me there's not you know that's the market share I'm going for it's weird I mean you could call it slightly calculated or you could call it some very smooth marketing in that he it's sort of it's kind of it's music for people who want to sort of they're a bit embarrassed of liking such schmaltz mm. so they can enjoy it because he's sort of not really taking it seriously so there's a sort of sheen of irony that you can either sort of engage with or not if you choose to so yeah i think you just got a whole hog and just start listening to country music like i've done yeah if you want to go down that full schmaltz route <laughs> no shame in that no shame at all next up josh thank you very much craig hog oh, and yes. thank you very much francesca capaldi i don't know if francesca knows that you've you know, served this up for her, Craig, but there she you go. She is now the female Sergio. So, she is yeah. the female, or the Sergio, or Sergio is, is the male her, yeah. Yeah, indeed. Um, I must point out, Francesca isn't bald, as far as I know. As far as you know, no. Now then, who's next? Uh, I've got uh, Theodore Ted Roberts, uh, Super mm-hmm. Ted, as he's known to his friends yes, at, uh, of course, obviously, uh, Richmond Sausages RFC, Uh a mercurial outside half. Uh, he once <laughs> scored drop goals with both feet in one game just to prove a point. Um, At the same time? Yeah. Just sort of did it in a kind of like two going two-footed into it. Yeah. It was just defied physics. <laughs> it was a wonderful it thing. the floor up. Exactly. Um, but he never really fulfilled his true potential uh, thanks to the club's traditional links to the uh, famous sausage maker. Ah. Because as... 
as a star player, he was lavished with as many bangers as he could eat. And uh, it le- led him to balloon from a willowy nine stone to a Piriwipu-esque 14 stone before he was even 25. And uh, I mean, it was rumoured that he could still bang over goals from the touchline even at age 55, but he never managed to shift that sausage weight. Well, what a way to go, though. Yeah, life's no. for living, Josh. Absolutely. E- even if it's in a smock, life is yeah. for living. Somebody's got- I saw a woman in a tabard yesterday. Yes. And I was just like, what the... I haven't seen a woman in a tabard since I was in school. Since, since you saw a dinner lady. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But she was you know, she was putting her bins out wearing a tabard. I was like, respect. Indeed. Practical. It's a practical... You know, you, you want to sort of just put something over the top to keep... You know, you're doing My your chores. My mother-in-law's got a tabard for when she dyes her own hair. It's, it's genuinely a very, you know, like practical garment. It's not the most fashionable thing, but not everything has to be. Thank you very much, Ted. Indeed. Uh, finally, we've got a late one coming in this week. We've got Dan Alsobrook as joined. Good name. Uh, Dan was understudy to Gwyn Jones at Cardiff mm-hmm. in the mid-90s, and trouble came afoot when Dan chinned him several times due to what Dan there. calls unforgivable smugness. <laughs> uh, Again, caught in the land wouldn't convict there, surely. He now avoids watching Scrum 5 because Gwyn's face enrages him to such an extent he can't <laughs> risk exposing himself to it. Frankly, don't blame him at all. No. Richmond sausages, right? While you're on yeah, them. Yeah. While we're on yeah. them. Um, not a good sausage. No, genuinely. Why are they so w- pink? Very bright, almost day glow pink. They're far too pink. A weird example, I think, of a sort of brand that doesn't actually... Sort yeah. of no convey any. To them. There's no quality in a Richmond sausage. No texture sausage. to them either. Very no. spongy is the wrong term. There's just no body to them when you bite into them. It's like a yeah. paste inside, even when cooked. <laughs> Something. And you, and put, also you, you cook put them, and four pints of oil of, comes out oh, of about absolutely. three sausages. They are a chip. They are a pan fryer waiting to happen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Thirteen uh, percent yeah. pork, I think, is is what we learned. There are thereabouts. But ultimately, people still must be still buying them. I would put, you know, your back, whatever supermarket own brand sausages up against Richmond sausages, and the supermarket own brand ones probably better. Oh, without doubt. And yet, without Richmond doubt. sausages are more expensive. It's fucked up. Yeah, they're like the cheapest shit sausages in the world. Branding though, no, the power of branding. Power of branding, isn't it? Mm. And I don't. And, the funny thing about Richmond sausages is right. They only seem mm. to they only seemed to appear about fifteen years ago, and yet yeah. it's all. But in this, maybe they were around in Ireland for longer. Because for me, growing yeah. up, like the cheap shit pink ones with too much oil coming out were walls, weren't they? Wall bangers, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then basically, then Richmond came along. Did it come yeah. along about the same time as Magnus Cider? And everyone it might have been, it might have been, been the sort of, that sort of Celtic Tiger period where <laughs> Ireland started exporting all of its stuff to Britain. Yes. Everyone wanted to be Irish all of a sudden. Yeah, I can blame him. My mother-in-law was absolutely baffled when that happened because she's Irish and had spent the whole of her life just having this piss ripped out of her and her family. Mm. And then all of a sudden, sometime in the late 90s, people seemed to be into it. Very strange. Yeah, it was a weird time, sort of like people celebrating their kind of heritage and national identity in the late 90s. I blame devolution in a positive way. People pretending to be Irish. That was like anathema, because for ages they were just a butt of jokes, weren't they? 
Was it because they were momentarily quite decent at football as well? So I think it was of... something to do with the, the whole being swept up in the 1990 94 World Cup stuff. Mm. Yeah. And, good for, and you too, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Like, I tend to try and blame brand, anything. Brand like Island became strong because yeah. of the football and you too. Good for That's them. That's our though. analysis, anyway. Good for them, though. Indeed. What I say. Uh, right then, where were we? Oh, yeah. Shall we begin with the player spotted? I think we better add. George Powell DMs. Mm-hmm. George says, Dear B&M Podcast. Very formal, isn't it? That is very formal. I like that. A bit of respect that we're, you know, it's too changed, long isn't it? overdue. Yeah. He says, I'm relatively new to your podcast. That explains it. It does. He says, I've only just discovered it in the past month or so, but saw a rugby player doing something mundane that I think you might like. Hello. No. He says, I was eating at McDonald's at Geneva Airport not long ago. I mean, this is already quite exciting. But when continue. who should I spot taking photos of his burger on the other side of the table a few seats over, but none other than Rugby Union's most annoying podcaster, James Haskell. There's so many. I mean, I don't, I, I both do and don't want to know why he was in Geneva. And isn't he, isn't he now like a McDonald's ambassador or some shit? He says, I checked his Instagram stories and made sure it was him. And sure enough, he was sharing pics of food and saying how nice Swiss McDonald's was. Even for the probably 28 quid it cost you. Now, George, you're new to this parish. <laughs> um, so I want to like you, how polite you've been in your communications. Indeed. But I, see that. I don't know how new you are to this parish. But I'll let you off this one time for drawing my attention to the gigantic-headed twat. But this will be the only time I will allow it. Yeah, I mean, you need to realise that that there's some beef here that goes back a long, long way. Yeah. All the way back to... Beefy seems more bothered about than me, which is, I mean, the, which is why did, I keep it I mean, going. He did, I mean, he did call you out on, at the happiest moment of his professional career because he... Yeah. Couldn't, you know, let it go. Stick that on your shitty podcasts and blogs or whatever he said. <laughs> Good for you, mate. But George, seriously, welcome along. Indeed. I'm always amazed when new people come along. I always think we're so embedded in this now and people must listen to it and think, what the fuck is this war animal talking about fucking plumbing and whatever else for 20 minutes before we even talk about rugby? I imagine yeah. everybody turns off if they don't know us already. But it's nice to know that some people stick around. It is. So thank you, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's nice to, to know that we're still pulling in a couple of new listeners along the way. Now, we normally do a bit of news at this point, but there isn't any. No, well, Sokopi Kepu's leaving London Irish. Yeah, and then there was an incredibly, not particularly interesting, but just silly thing where the goalie Mula Pola wasn't leaving Newcastle, then he was leaving Newcastle, then... He was announced by Grenoble. Then he said he wasn't going to Grenoble, and then he said, he, and then Newcastle said he signed a new two-year contract, which is just just a mess of stupidity. But that's about as far as the news goes at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, uh, Le- Leicester are letting two play two international players go to be signed. Uh, Argentina's Facundo Chechena is going. Mm-hmm. Facundo Chechena. I've only Chechena. said this. I like saying the name. That's a very nice. He's name he's fair. going, having hardly played at all. I think. But then again. Let's be honest, Leicester fucking get rid of heads of directors of rugby like shelling peas. So oh, players exactly. is, is nothing at all, isn't it? So, I mean, it's interesting. Uh, the only other piece of news is that Ronan O'Gara is the only person on earth that seems to not think that Peter Romani's red card was a red card. 
<laughs> Honestly, how can we still keep having these arguments when? What it's did, amazing. When it, when it, we're drifting into the weekend, but let's do it anyway. But when uh, when Peter Romani did it, and Thomas Francis immediately looked at Wayne Barnes and said, "For fuck, you know what?" Yeah, the and Wayne that? Barnes went, "It's a clear out." It's a clear out. Absolutely fine. Carry on. And then of course the game stops and TMO goes, um, "Mate, it fucking worked." Check, <laughs> check, fucking check, Wayne. <laughs> uh. Yeah, it's... You still had that thing from the comments, I mean, afterwards, didn't you? I mean, you know, refs don't want to be sending people off. No. But they're being given with, being left with no choice. Like, these poor people are, like, oppressed by these laws they have to enforce. <laughs> won't, some, won't somebody please think of the referees? Amazing. It's, yeah. Uh, news. News. Yeah. Um, I'm assuming... Has he been cited? Got till tomorrow, I need to cite I assume that he's... We're missing a few weeks for that, mm. at least, surely. The ch- the old chicken leg, or chicken, was it the... What chicken wing? Chicken wing, yeah. Bingo wing. Never Straight heard that, yeah. face. It's a new one, but I like it. Right, so, um, Six Nations from the weekend. So Six Nations yeah. was here. It was. Exactly. It actually it happened. happened. Shall which we go, in itself was a good thing. Shall we go chronologically? Yeah, we can do. So chronologically, mm. uh, Italy versus France was was first up the opening game. Yeah, uh, Italy are fun now, even when they're a bit shit. Like they're still fun. Like they were like predetermined to be lambs to the slaughter on Sunday on Saturday because they fielded a bunch of children. Um, but they're chucking it around. They're offloading it everywhere. They're trying to keep the ball alive. Like they're fun. I enjoyed like- watching them. It's like Franco Smith building his own like Neverland Ranch down there, isn't it? I don't, I'm starting to wonder whether people shouldn't look too closely. Yeah. Really. It's, it's, are we going to get a monkey? That's what I want to know. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, uh, yeah, like as much as it's Trent, like obviously they got fucking pasted, but and you know it was instantly people were asking what the points of them were and saying they should be relegated, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. All of that stuff that isn't going to be happening. But like, you look at what they had on Saturday, and I genuinely look at it and thought, yeah, in a couple of years, this could be a lot of fun. This team, I, I've written here. There's a rugby team in there trying to get out. It really is like, but they're like, too small and young to actually yeah. reach the counter to pay the entrance fee or something right now. But I do think there's something. I'm yeah. with you. One, they're not terrible to watch now. They're not a total joke. I mean, France. Kind of rolled over them a bit, but they're not a total joke at all, are they? Yeah, no, exactly. And when you look at like Garbisi and Varney, that's you know a partnership that is going to grow and be good in if like properly good in a few years, I think. And yeah, you know, it's there are building blocks there. Brex, I was pleasantly surprised. By. I quite liked, like, yeah. I mean, the big news was Canna being dropped, wasn't it? Because I yeah. do, I do think that that Garbisi. Canna and Zanon sort of midfield yeah, 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 triumvirate were one of the best things about last year, really. Yeah. Um, but, but I that, suppose... You know, throwing I mean, Brexit, they've got depth then, you know, and they've got a slightly different way to play because he can sort of fucking bosh it up in a way that Canna can't. And let's not forget that... Um, let's not forget that they're still, you know, it's a long way away from the next World Cup, isn't it? So Smith yeah. thinks, well, I'm going to have to keep trying this shit because 
I can't. I don't think the Pro 14s aren't going to see what I need there. No. So I need to expose them here. I mean, Brex is doing was doing. He's had a decent run out of Benetton, hasn't he? But uh, but anyway, yeah. He, Canner or Brex at twelve isn't going to be a problem for them, is it? They we know that. No, now. they both look decent now, and they, you know they they've got. You know they're developing some depth and some quality in in the back three as well. You know their their back row is having to start. You know to to kind of grow without I mean, you're missing some really important players. Imagine how good this team is going to be when Sergio comes back into it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's what it needs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in all honesty, though, Pelledri wasn't there. Yeah, you know it's it's. But Negri played well. I like Negri very well. I always like Negri. Yeah, you just enjoy watching. He's just niggle and hard. I think you bring a it's... bit of Pelledri there, and you get then you get Negri and Mayer on the other flank. Oh, yeah. It's a pretty nasty back row, isn't it? and it's... and an able back row as well. Yeah, it's, a, th- a, it's there's loads of greens. Like for it's very easy to look at the scores. That Italy concede, and they do, you know. When it goes, it goes. When it goes, it goes, exactly. It's like a zip. Once it goes, it goes. They return to a point. They they can defend to a point, and then once that point is broken... I mean, that point was quite low down on Saturday. If if anything wasn't going well on Saturday, it was their (laughs) defence generally. Yeah. But, I mean, they got through the French line quite a bit, and then they just seemed to completely lose their minds. Yeah, they had that sort of... Thing that you know, we're talking about Scotland and England in a bit, but like they had a similar thing where they got they made they did the hard part and got into the 22, and then you know, all you need to do once you get into the 22 is be patient and hold on to the ball, and something good will happen whether it's they concede a penalty or whether you get over for a try. Like, as long as you can secure possession and just keep going through it, you know, that's why. Yeah, that's, Ireland's whole fucking game plan is based on that. Yeah. Is getting into the twenty-two and just outlasting the opposition. But they just, they just got a little bit excited every time, and they tried to force one miracle offload too many. And I don't blame them because Gobby, see, you know, probably was throwing miracle offloads from the womb, you know. <laughs> but when he left like, six months yeah. ago, yeah. <laughs> But like I realised something about Garbisi the other day, right? Mm. Like, so he played what, like three or four uh, games for Benetton before. Yeah, he had more he international caps than than club than appearances ben- at yeah. one point, didn't he? So that being that as it we we know it is, he made his debut after the lockdown break, right? Mm. So he has multiple caps for his country. And has never played professional rugby in front of a crowd. God, yeah. That's, that's How quite... weird is that? Imagine Did when the crowd start cheering. One of them, one of those dummies. Exactly. Oh, imagine what. What, what well, a I like this feeling. Imagine it with you know, say we're like another sort of six to eight months away from having anything near sort of decent crowds at a game. Like, imagine if it turns out that you know he's. 15, 20 caps into his international career and they realise that like he absolutely he's an absolute fucking shambles and a mess the second that somebody starts to crowd. shivering yeah. in the noise. <laughs> like sort of any kind of serious hostile opposition crowd he just absolutely goes to pieces. Like asking a tennis player to serve while people keep shouting. You know, exactly. Like, yeah. Completely lose it. Uh, yeah. he, he can't handle it if you don't respect the kicker. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, but um, 
But, but it, I yeah. mean, he's never not fun to watch. You know, that sounds no, like you're, damning, you're damning him with kind of fake praise, but you're not. I mean, Genuinely is bad And if Italy are going to lose, that wasn't a bad game to watch at all. It was really entertaining. Like, you know, they played a part in that. They, you know, they were not the Italy of old that either sort of turned it up and got their tummies tickled or just tried to sort of grind it out through the forwards. You know, they were they were up for playing a good game of rugby and they, mm. they played their part in what was, you know, as entertaining a battering as you can get, I suppose. And that's happened a lot in the past 12 months. It has. <laughs> and people talk about it like, you know, it sounds like we're being patronising, but it's if you're being ent- if you're providing good value for what you're doing, even if you're not getting as much result as you want, you know, eventually that is going to come. And let's not forget Georgia, and I don't, I don't know over, you know, I don't want to be too technical here, but Georgia are absolutely fucking shite. Yeah, terrible. and if you'd have put that a Georgia team against that France team on Saturday, oh, they'd have won a hundred nil. It would have been a cricket fucking score. Yeah, it really would have, because France are fucking ready to kick on. <laughs> yeah, that's what I took from like. You can't take much away from the France performance because it was so fucking easy for them. Aside from the fact that's the only that, other worry, isn't it? There was the whole we didn't really get out a second here. No, but it was still so fucking easy for them. Like the second that there was a sniff of any kind of line break, it was just like, well, we'll score a try now, then, shall we? That Vincent try, by the way. Yeah. I mean, that started with Dupont just fucking wellying it up in the air off the ground. Yeah. Like a goalkeeper doing a clearance kick. <laughs> just absolutely wellied it one. Yeah. And then. Uh, and, and it was. Yeah. He's a fucking magician. And he then, of course, led so. to then him supporting and the fucking cat yeah. flap offload and all that shit. It was so. it was everything about Dupont that you, we like in one glorious fucking couple of minutes of brilliance. And, yeah, it was just... As you say, it's hard to say much about France because the opposition was not up to much. But in the spirit of you can only beat what's in front of you, they fucking beat them. Yes, hammered them, yeah. Yeah. And to be honest with you, were coasting for the last half hour and could have run the score up if they'd really wanted to. But didn't. It's like, oh, it's a shame the missing Ratters. He was quite a find of last year. He's this bloke <laughs> in the red hat now. Fucking hell. <laughs> I mean, Italy did make it easy for them in defence, didn't they? I mean, that try. They did. Was it, oh, he scored in the court. Was it the Dulan try? Yeah, the Brees yes, Dulan try. it where? was, which was just like, how is that a try now? <laughs> he's literally just dipped that over the top of you and somehow does try where's the defence I would expect I kept expecting a cover defender to arrive after that and it's like he's going to turn up and where's the where, yeah. where's the where's the cover defence no he's going to oh fuck he scored it was like it was one of those weird slow motion things where it was just like, well, this can't be a try. It's too it fucking was slow easy. motion because the entire the defense were walking. Yeah, in an basically. To chase it, basically. Yeah, it made. Do well, they did look fight better. back a bit. I mean, a lot of people. They did. Both Flatman and Waterman were making a point on the commentary saying, actually, if you don't fight back a bit here, it you know it starts to infect your squad. You know. And yeah. they did, they didn't jack it in, and the bench seemed to make a difference and stuff when it came yeah. on. Yeah, so. and they scored, and there was a nice, you know, it might have been an individual try, but it was a nice effort for sure. Yeah. And it gave. And they've got that in gives, them, that's what I like, and, and it's, they've got too. that in them from a few players, which is, as you said, you know, they are all toddlers. 
Yeah. You know, by the yeah, time they're on solid would... food, they'll be great. Yeah. Give them, let's not fucking throw them to the wolves until they've at least, you know, learned to like pass the driving test or whatever, <laughs> you know? Yes. <laughs> so they've had the first drink. Leave them alone. Yeah. <laughs> um, I liked Ficu and Vansant. A lot of yeah. talk about Vakatawa not being around, but actually I quite like the look of that. I mean, yeah. I know he's got that X Factor thing, Vakatawa, but I'm wondering whether there might be something in a really good 12-13 partnership anchoring it all down and then him coming off the bench. I don't know. Yeah, because kind of Vansant's a lot more sensible than Vakatawa yeah. in ways that, you know, Vakatawa is... Into the the he has the spirit of Teddy Samar upon him, who is excellent, by the way, in the way that Teddy Samar always is when against he's, people he can't defend. Yeah, 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 yeah. He is a glorious flat track bully, and I enjoy it. But um, <laughs> you know, Vakatawa will do incredible things, and sometimes Vakatawa will do unbelievably silly things, and. Vanson at least seems a little yeah. bit more on the level. It's whether he gives the team enough when he's not doing unbelievable things. Because sometimes yes. he can have he can struggle to get into a game, can't he? Mm. And and it's that whole thing. Do you get more from something like Vanson, who's not no fucking idiot? He's not exactly a lumpen player himself. Do you know God no. But Vanson for me is a solid seven every game. Yes. Whereas Vakatau is occasionally a ten, but he is occasionally a five. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> And it's it's horses for courses, I suppose, really. But mm. I mean, it's not a bad it's not a bad problem not to have. Bad problem, it's to not have, a bad is problem it? to have, is it? So, C- certainly, a problem Wales would enjoy having right now. And Antoine de Pont, man, it's just fucking terrifying. It's fucking unbelievable. How old is he? Like, <laughs> it's ridiculous. You know, it is lovely, isn't it, when you see? And it's it's easy to do thermonuclear takes, but it's been about two years we've been doing this now. Yeah, there's it's no doubt in my mind he's the best. He's you know, the you best can, player in the world. You can see something opening in front of you thinking, this guy could be one of the best players we've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> and isn't this lovely to see it happening in real time and not having to see your dad talk about it or Yeah, or it's proper generational talent shit. Yes. And it's like and not just like when he was sort of, you know, when it's twenty two or whatever, when he sort of started playing for France, it was like, oh, you know, this kid could be good, he's very talented, and then it doesn't quite pan out. It's like Two, we're two years into this, and he is ahead of schedule, if anything. <laughs> it's like in two also, years, he's the best player in the fucking world. <laughs> I also love that when he came off, when he was subbed off, or like, was it 60 minutes? Like, yeah, I think you've done quite enough, mate. You can come off yeah. before you get broken by accident. He comes off, and he's, he sat there with his feet up, and the camera angle looked like it, he was just feet with his massive head perched on top, <laughs> like some kind of strange ca- comic get, book character. I cannot get over his massive head. Yeah, it's just really funny. He's so strong. Yeah, because he is. He, you look like at him, primate strength. It's incredible. He's fucking ripped. Yes, like and he's squat and he's got a very low sensitive sensor of gravity. He's got tiny little legs <laughs> and a sort of quite a long but sort of chunky body. Yeah, and it, none of it looks like it should work. He doesn't look like he should be the best rugby player on earth. Until he starts like, playing rugby. Until he starts playing rugby. You look at him, you know, you put him next to fucking, you know, any of the sort of great, so, you know, you put him next to Dan Carter, you think, you know, which one of these is the world's great, you know, greatest rugby player? Or, you know, even next to like Untermach or someone like that, you know, he looks, he looks like he should be a good fucking rugby player. But like, 
Yes. Dupont fails the sight test, as you say, until he starts playing. <laughs> yes. It's it's a remarkable. It's a wonderful. I, I, genuinely, I just love watching France. It's hugely undervalued in baseball. Yes. Well, he would absolutely yeah. be a catcher, by the way. Oh, 100%. Yeah. He'd, he'd enjoy the physical confrontation at home plate. Uh, right. So, anything else on Italy, France? No. I think it was fairly rudimentary, wasn't it? You know, it was. It was but I, again. But fun, entertaining. I enjoyed it. I don't. There was a period of time where whoever was playing Italy that weekend, it was a fucking torture to watch yeah. and to, to somehow get interested in. And they've got to play England next. Mm. And um, we'll talk, we'll do some predictions in a bit. But um, yeah, I'm not quite as doom laden as I would have been. I don't think they're going to win. Oh, goodness, no. Of course not. But, but it's, I, it's... I, I did actually think that, I mean, England had got the, was it 80 points to 19 or whatever? England's mm. records, record Six Nations scores England, England, Italy. At one point in that game, I thought, fucking hell. Yeah. <laughs> I was covering it for the Guardian, and I think I had four entries on the trot that were just tries. Yeah. Because by the time I'd sort of finished writing up one, another one was going over. <laughs> yeah, it was... It could. France could have run up that score a bit. They didn't. And Italy did enough to sort of have something to build on, I think, for the rest yeah. of the tournament, which is all they really needed out of that game. Oh no, is it everywhere? No, sure, stay and sort that out. We can have dinner another time. Amazing. Whether it's cancelled plans... Need to get in the kitchen and calm down. ...or the need for a quick, convenient distraction. Introducing Goodfellas Mini Pizzas. Four mini pizzas made with respect that cook in 11 minutes. Goodfellas Minis. Embrace the unexpected. As more sectors across Ireland are reopening, the COVID-19 pandemic unemployment payment is changing. If you're currently receiving this payment, the amount you receive will change from the 16th of November. To find out more about how these changes will affect you, visit gov.ie forward slash PUP changes. A Government of Ireland initiative brought to you by the Department of Social Protection. And then we came to the Calcutta Cup. Indeed. I um, I wrote, because the thing is, because I obviously cover this, I wrote a preamble, you know. So mm. what I thought would happen is always in the preamble. And, you know, I invite that aged well onto me. Yeah, with st- uh, shocking such- regularity. So I thought I didn't. I did write that I didn't think. I didn't think Scotland would have enough have enough to win, uh, because of the fucking hoodoo and and mm. that fucking stadium and all that kind of stuff. But I did make the point in the build up that they look to have the pack now to do it yeah. if they if they were going to do it. And whoa, it was demonstrated that yeah. they do. Well, the thing is, though, I feel, in many ways, like and I've compared many times on this podcast, like Scotland's journey to Wales's journey in terms of going from a team that just historically doesn't achieve anything and constantly flatters to deceive without actually kind of fulfilling the potential and then Wales kind of having that that moment in 2005 where even though everything didn't really make sense and it wasn't perfect, it broke the spell of the cycle of sort of not winning stuff enough to kind of build a mentality that became a winning mentality Roughly until about seven seconds after Wayne Pivat took over, um, <laughs> but this this to me you felt won, like for Christ's sake. <laughs> anyway, we'll come to that. Um, Go on. But yeah, this for me this is this was Scotland's two thousand and five moment. This was beating England in Cardiff for Wales, 
this is Scotland with a much better team in this fixture. Oh, insanely that that, better team. Yeah. But that was not the first. This is not the first time we've said that over the last few years. Like they were much the better team in that absolute fucking shit show of a game in Murrayfield last year. You know, they were the better team in the second half two years ago and should have won that game, but somehow they always found a way to lose. They found, they gave England chances or they spurned their own or both and they couldn't quite close it out. And, you know, let's not beat around the bush. They fucking had those moments on Saturday. Like, they missed penalties. Finn Russell made some unbelievably brainless decisions in the last 10 minutes to gift England territory an opportunity to win it. But just like Wales in 2005, it doesn't fucking matter one jot. Because all that matters is they got the fucking win. England failed to capitalise. And finally, they came away from Twickenham with the win that they deserved. And I just think it's a transformational moment for this team. Because and I think specifically, the first 10 minutes of that second half big start. were some of the best rugby I think they've ever seen play. That somebody yeah. at work today described to me as, it was boring, wasn't it? <laughs> No, because, and I have to. This is what I have to deal with. I have to be quiet, otherwise you sound like a wanker, don't you? So I went. I just mm. Mm. no, it was not boring at all. It was one of the, some of the best fucking rugby you've ever seen when they came out and did that. And there was, and I mean, in terms of game management, execution, yeah. temperament, everything about yeah. it was amazing. You, you know, know that their playmaker in the bin, England S- at Twickenham, thinking, and were, they just went, and England were quite no. ahead. Were, were getting a bit of a toehold just for. Before yeah, half-time. just before half time, there was a you know half time came at a perfect moment for Scotland really in that because I wonder if things would have rocked if there'd been another ten minutes you know, but they had enough time to sort of centre themselves and so much at the test level so much of this game is about mentality and confidence. There's so little between the teams in terms of physicality and skill really at the sort of top Six Nations end of the table. Like you only need to look at Wales to see the flip side of that you know. But I posted. Scotland Grand Slam market full time and while I was mainly kidding and getting a bit giddy (laughs) like I don't think it's off the cards like they've got Wales and Ireland at home both of whom are pretty shit Italy are not going to trouble them and then there's France and okay we you know we were just talking about France and France away might be a bit too far for this team but like that's what we were all saying about the England game last week you know we were saying Mm. oh you know they've come on leaps and bounds but you know can they can they really win away at England? Have they got the confidence? They've got the confidence now. 80 minutes, you know. They won it everywhere. The line-out yeah. was fucking all over. They, it was the absolutely dumb, you know. Why should this not be Scotland's team year? Like, they might not be as deep or talented as England or France long-term, but this year, why the fuck not? You know, why can't they win the Six Nations? Somebody wrote to me in The Guardian, I didn't publish it because you get emails coming in, talking about the depth of Scotland and how um, he said, you know... You see how they would say, you know, because I mean, Ben O'Barna would be first choice for Scotland, wouldn't he? He's like, no, no, he, no, fucking, he fucking wouldn't. wouldn't. <laughs> and I think there is something, <laughs> you know, and, and again, With the greatest respect to Ben O'Barna, yeah, indeed, no, he would not. What it's about is they've got two sets of front fives now, yeah, they're both tidy, the, the, the full five, maybe not, but they've got two front rows who are fine, yeah, absolutely, a, and more that than is, fine, yeah, and that makes a huge difference at test level. You know, how many times did we sort of Grow, you know, I think in 2006, 2008 kind of era where Wales sort of had one good front row, but the second those guys went off, the scrum was on on scapes and it was just a fucking mess. And you'd always wince when Adam went off or Richard Hibbard or Hugh Bennett went off, you know? 
was that and oh, I'm sorry. you need that particularly the front row makes such a difference in the Six Nations. I don't know if it makes as much of a difference in a sort of World Cup scenario, but like in the Six Nations, it's always such a sort I of heavy... I think it would beg to differ. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but like over the course of the Six Nations, like, because it's always so attritional, like there's so few games that are like France-Italy, you know, it's always fucking a proper arm wrestle. If you can have a front row that comes on and lifts your pack... And can get a fucking shove on at the scrum. That's absolutely priceless. And you know, Nell sort of taking a back seat and Kebble, you know, qualifying through residency. You know, that's a hell of a lot of fucking South African beef to bring on and just go, yeah, fucking see this out, lads. And it's not even just a set piece, though. I mean, they, they just offer. I mean, Sutherland offers quite a bit outside the set yeah, piece as well. Yeah. So, you know, they're really good players. And George Turner, everyone was saying, you know, you know, mm-hmm. he's, like, yeah. he's fucking <laughs> he's fine. fucking fine, mate. <laughs> Yeah. And a maturity to his performance as well. But when he came off the bench in the autumn against yeah. Wales, he, he he did a good job. He scored, actually, didn't he? Did he score against Wales? Did he score? Game? can't remember. He scored one. I can't remember now. Maybe I've made it up. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Same yeah, conviction. He, he looked genuinely, you know, comfortable. And the same can be said about, you know, the other Scottish debutants on, you know, well, that was the funny moment, wasn't it? The first, yeah. I think it was the first ball red path touched or the second one. He went on that run yeah. with that lovely kind of shimmy yeah. and run. It was like, and it wasn't even a sidestep. It was, a, no. I'll just move my hips a bit. Yeah, I'll just And glide. he went past two of them. And it was like, ooh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, Ollie Lawrence was sat there going, oh, somebody please give me the ball. <laughs> <laughs> I'm supposed to be the new I man. I so Nobody wants to pass to me. <laughs> so alone in the frame. But that's the thing about Redpath. He is the perfect twelve for this Scotland team that they've kind of been lacking in a way because he's a big lad and he can. Bo- and he's demonstrated that he can fucking. He's no Nick Grigg. <laughs> no, <laughs> thank God. <laughs> <laughs> but he's got, like you say, he's got that artistry about him in that he can, you know, swivel his hips and move and glide past someone. But then he can also fucking hit it over the game line. And when you put him next to a big lad like Chris Harris, it's like. You can do a lot with that, an awful lot, especially when you've got Finn Russell inside him. I did say in the program I was writing, I did, you go, look, I'm not making it up. I did say that I said that it did feel like, out of the echoes of these empty stadiums, the team that Townsend always wanted to coach was starting to come together. And I did, yeah. and, and that was, then it, it's like he put his final keystone in or something on. Maybe Redpath was it, you know, at that point. Maybe, maybe Redpath was the final also, piece. I, but know. also I think it's kind of been about Townsend learning as well. Because I think, you know, when he came to mm, Scotland, point, he was yeah. very convinced with kind of... It felt like he was like, right, I'm just going to do what I did with Glasgow. Or when I played. Still 1997. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And it's sort of, you know, you cannot just translate a game plan and a style of play from... Pro 14 club level to the test arena and just expecting us to work because A, you don't have enough time with the players to really make it work and also just defences and the quality of play opposition that you're having is dramatically higher and it's sort of, it feels like over the last year he's really, and probably certainly from the World Cup where I think they were chastened by the manner that they sort of yeah. exited he's realised you know what I, you know, we can still do the the pretty, pretty intricate backs thing sometimes, but mainly if we want to win a test level, I need to fucking put together a hardest fucking nails pack with a dynamic back row 
who can win ball and and we need to get a defence coach in that's capable of fucking turning our team into a bunch of fucking lunatics. And that's what he's done. He's done well, Steve Tandy, hasn't he? He's, he's, defense really well. he's a good defence coach, man, and he's, he's demonstrating. But, you know, it was, st- it was still a performance that had a lot of errors in it that I think would have fucking driven Townsend mental. Because England did nothing to exploit them. But as shit as Wales and Ireland are, they won't fuck around like England did. You know, the sort of lack of ruck guards for box kicking for like most of the first half that just allowed it. Apart from Itoji stalking Ali Price for the first 20 minutes. (laughs) Yeah. And then they realised, oh yeah, you might want to maybe stick an extra fucking bloke in. (laughs) What was funny is he did that about three times and Price was visibly shitting himself every time he had to kick. And then there was about five minutes later, he, he, he kind of threw a no-look pass and it went straight to Itochi. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, and there were some brain farts in the backfield and there were some moments where Russell was very Finn Russell yeah. and and they weren't always very good under the high and they ball. Need, they still need to score more points. Yeah, they do. And, and they, they got into the 22 a lot of times and didn't do enough with it. However... But this is 5% stuff, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. These are eminently fixable things that, you know, if they can sort of get it right, I mean, the sky really is the fucking limit. And it's that bench. That's the thing. If you play like that and then you can keep bringing that bench on. Yeah. And you've still got fucking Finn Russell and Stuart Hogg who can inject some proper all-world fucking game-breaking talent into it. So it doesn't matter, you know, they're, they're, England are a very hard team to break down at the best of times. You know, France are, Ireland are, but no team can really respond. You know, we didn't see it on the weekend. We didn't have, you know, Hogg had that one run where mm. I sort of went, ooh. Yes. <laughs> but like, other than that, you know, Finn and Finn did some nice stuff, but he was mainly, you know, people have talked about how good he was. He was good in a sort of, he what, did, he, he, he played in the right that, areas, but he wasn't doing many Finn things. What I liked was he just looked incredibly relaxed. Yes. He was kind of strutting about the place, wasn't he? Until, yeah. You know, even that starfish trip and all that stuff. He, <laughs> he was still, he came back on and was still just kind of bouncing around and this yeah. kind of sort yeah. of like bouncing. He was happy, he was enjoying himself. Thing. He looked enthusiastic and it's like, that's, that's what Scotland missed last year was that Finn Russell that he where he's in that sort of mode of I I believe my teammates believe in me, my coach believes in me, and I feel six feet you know, I feel eight feet tall. His drop call was a cracker though, wasn't it? Yeah. Fucking hell. To be fair to him, <laughs> the fucking pass of the scrum half was about What the fuck were they doing there? It was just everything about that whole thing. It was a terrible call, just, man. Was like, like, what are you I could doing? have gone so badly wrong. And, and it wasn't Gareth Davis bad, but it was no, bad. No, it was bad. It was like if Hogg hadn't basically been sort of standing 20 feet behind him just in case something like that happened <laughs> and was up like a rocket to get on that ball, somebody hacks that ball on and it's fucking game over. Yeah. It was, but it's fine margins, you know? Um, but I mean, the, the stats tell their own story, don't they? They do. The possession it was and the territory. Absolutely and dominant. I mean, England were just fucking. And people say, oh, weren't England terrible? It's like, well, yeah, but it's hard not. It's hard to be good when somebody's playing that well against you. No, it's true. But I do think, fuck me. I know Eddie Jones has said that he's not going to start working on the attack until this summer. 
I think he might want to bring his timetable forward a little bit. Slade in the week was saying about how they're doing loads of stuff he's dead happy with and it's great to be in the squad now and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, but Slade doesn't believe in coronavirus. So why are we trusting anything? What is it he, he was says? happy about? It? They gave him some thermal gloves to keep his hands warm but he stood doing fuck all for an hour. But like it just it feels like we're once again in that period that happens about every two years where Jones ignores the obvious in his long-running attempt to make England work with Owen Farrell at 10. And I get it. Like, his natural inclination has always been, I want a big, ball-carrying 12. And he came... The Ford-Farrell thing was a total fucking accident. And it worked. And he's... But deep down he's inside him... somehow against it. He somehow it doesn't like it. He wasn't... Yeah. And he, he, he really doesn't want that thing to work. Every good thing England have done under Eddie Jones has been with fucking Ford and Farrell at 10 and 12. And at some point, surely you have to just accept that you should work with what that is and just go, well, you know, my system might be my system, but, you know, this works. So, But like, I'm betting you by next week, or but certainly by the end of the tournament, but like that axis will be restored and England will suddenly be much better for it because without him, they're doing nothing. Like the ball barely got beyond, you know, that... The Ollie Lawrence thing is a fucking joke, man. For him to be at 12 and to get the ball once, yeah. you know. Anthony Watson got the ball three times. You know, I didn't. I don't think Henry Slade got it more than like two or three times. Like the only time that England looked threatening is first phase ball off a set piece. And other than that, I mean, that's just not sustainable when you're attacking organised aggressive defensive, of which England will have to face at least two in the next four games. Ollie Lawrence had one run and made zero metres. That scoreline absolutely flattered England, by the way. Like, Yeah, as I said, Scotland need to score more points. That was yeah. the worry all the way through. You were thinking, fucking hell, Scotland, they should have at least yeah. two more tries at this point. Yeah, if Scotland had a bit more composure in the 22 and cut out some of those silly errors, that would have been a 10 or 15 point win. Easy. And, you know, and that's not, you know, England can sort of talk about analysing. It doesn't take a lot for me to analyse what went wrong there. You just weren't very fucking good. You know? <laughs> they missed, you got some, they, by they a missed much Underhill. Team. I was going to say. I'm not saying yeah. he wouldn't have won if he was there or anything, but it made you realise how important he is to. Yeah, I think of... that they missed the impact of Underhill on both sides of the ball, to mm. be honest, because he's a player that just. He sets the tone physically. And Mark Wilson. It's weird to think that Mark Wilson was a sort of guaranteed pick sort of two years ago for England because he was sort of... He works his balls off Mark Wilson. Actually, he he only just... works incredibly hard and he's got one of the most freakish physiques of any human being I've ever seen. Um, but I think it really demonstrated what a difference Underhill being fit and in form and being paired with Tom Curry who, to be honest, he was not very effective without Underhill's physical side of things, mm. to be honest. He did some nice stuff in the loose, but, like, he didn't Scott, have that. so on top and everything. You yeah. Can't, you know, I mean, I mean, at one point when I was, comp- when I, was I remember it, because I had to write it, after four minutes, they conceded three penalties, England. Yeah. You know, it's madness. Yeah, it was sloppy. That was what it looked like. Also, is it any coincidence that England's two worst displays in the last two years have come when Carl Sinkler wasn't involved, either through injury or through Maybe. suspension? I think, he, again, he makes a big difference in terms of carrying, in terms of the physicality and the tackle. 
you know, just in terms of the mentality, you know, he's a high energy individual. And I don't know, England just looked like I don't buy into this England's fucking spine of Saracens players haven't get played a game in eight weeks thing as being a factor because Argentina hadn't been out of their hotel rooms in months and they beat the fucking All Blacks last year. I think so, Farrell looked about the same player he's looked for a little yeah, while, this, to be honest. This is the thing. Looks like he's put a bit of weight on, actually. Unless they had like an undershirt on because it was cold. Mike, I don't know. Like Mike Brown sort of... I'm loath to agree with Mike Brown, but Mike Brown was basically like, that wasn't like Owen Farrell having a stinker. That was just what Owen Farrell's played like for the last year or so. <laughs> and I hate to say it, but he's right. Like Scotland's line speed and Scotland's sort of intensity in defence was another level to what we've seen them have in the past, and it was fucking great to watch. And it's very hard for a 10 to do anything when they're fucking, everyone's getting smashed. But yeah, there were still moments. He is a player that still, despite his his undeniable talent and quality, like when Farrell is at 10 and things aren't going well, he unravels. I just don't think it's... Uh... You actually find myself asking the question, would Ford have made that much of a difference? Because they were taking an absolute fucking shoeing everywhere. Yeah, Do you know they what were. I mean? And any 10's going to struggle. I suppose from my point of view, it couldn't have been any worse. No. And he would have offered something that wasn't that, that's more than Farrell did. And and then you would have still presumably had Farrell outside him. Yeah. To sort of offer that set, you know, to offer the calm head and the kicking option. And Ford would have taken it to the line a bit better and done some of that sort of... And it's not even like you kind of say, well, put Marcus Smith in or something. It's like, no, this is a fully established international 10. He's probably one of the best 10s in the world. Yeah. And Farrell hasn't been one of the best 10s in the world for probably at least a year now. Easy. And actually hasn't played 10 regularly at international level anyway. So he he doesn't demonstrate how good a 10 he is at international level. I don't think he ever has. Has he ever, or if like he has, he's not played there for long enough now. A couple of games against Ireland aside, you know, name and which games which were primarily about Ireland just apparently not being able to handle, you know, Manny Tuilagi. Like, and they, show they can't me, come from behind. Show me a game where Farrell starting at ten has like dominated a game at international level. I can't remember it. Like, I can remember plenty of games at twelve where he's been fucking brilliant. And I don't, um, I don't know how. I don't see anything in Farrell's game that makes me think they're going to pull a fourteen-point deficit back. No, well, that's the other thing. I mean, it's hard enough to do that in rugby, international rugby, anyway. Don't get me wrong, but no. you've at least got to look like you might. There's no way that England with Farrell at ten is doing what Scotland did in the second half two years Christ ago. Christ, no. You know, and this is you know, it's a similar sort of thing of like, you know. Wales with Dan Bigger at ten, and and England with Owen Farrell at. 10 are set up to be a front runner team you know they're a team that you know they get ahead and then you chip you get an early try or two you establish a lead and then Owen Farrell spends the rest of the game pinning the opposition back kicking and then the you penalties bring that bench on. and then you bring the bench on and then you just keep winning Whereas, as you say, you know, you get up, you get up the early doors, and you get ahead of them. It's just exactly the same thing that South Africa found in the World Cup final. You know, once England get behind, they do not know how to pull it back, and it's a, it's got to be a little bit alarming. I if mean, the, this is how it's going to go on. They're pretty jammy in that they've got Italy on Saturday. Yeah, now, though. It's no nice palate cleanser. Kind of, yeah. 
indeed, you know, yeah. imagine if they were going to Cardiff or going to Dublin next. You know, yeah. this would be proper fucking. Like even with Wales in the state that Wales are in now, they'd fancy a crack at them. After this, anything else to say on this? Uh, no. It's yeah, you know, a, all of really the good game. Yeah, a really entertaining, an absolute fucking proof positive that everything that every thermonuclear take merchant said about rugby being fucked in the autumn and needing wholesale changes is absolute cock. Because a test match where you score third, less than 30 points between the two of you can be eminently fucking yeah. engaging. I will say well I will say that the first at least 20 minutes of Wales versus Ireland was 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 the reason why people keep saying I don't like international rugby anymore <laughs> just simply because of the, the 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 reliance on the on the kick and chase now you can some people say that's great and it's tactical I I get a bit pissed off with it I don't think rugby's got anything wrong with it because of it I just think that I, there is a, a different bit of way like, to play isn't it yeah there is a bit of me just thinks that, yeah okay I'm not sure I've had enough of this now I understand um, I can't get as I can't get that intrigued by exactly who's going to catch this latest one no but, it uh, doesn't excite me and you know Ireland kick the fucking leather off it I'm, that I'm not going to stop watching rugby no because I'm not going to go this is a terrible no. game now and everyone yeah. needs to fuck off I still enjoyed it but I can't Ultimate. Ultimately, I can't be got... a hipster about it You've got a fucking mobile phone. Yeah. If some, if if a team is going, through, you know, if a game is going through a period where both sides are just fucking kicking the leather off it and it's not very entertaining, just have a look at your phone. Just go, you know, go do a bit of Amazon shopping. You know, go and look at some news. Divert yourself for five minutes. Let them get that out of their system, and then team back in for when it it becomes interesting. It's not hard. No. Um. So we moved to Sunday. Wales yes. versus Ireland, Wayne Pivak, loser, apart from the times when he wins, which was yeah. on Sunday. Yeah. So he must be delighted. I mean, that people are talking about that win so positively for Wales really does show how far we've fallen. Because I, I was happy with the win. You know, it was gritty, it was gutsy. It was a definite improvement over the autumn. Let's keep going with that. What were you happy about? Um... You know, we improved in some aspects of the game. But, I mean, I genuinely can't get that excited about it. Like, I cannot think of... Some people have commented that if a Gatlin team had ground out a win like that, then we'd be slapping him on the back. But I'm sorry, that's bollocks. If Wales had barely squeezed past 14 men at home and very nearly handed the game to Ireland with a truly apocalyptically bad game management in the last 10 minutes... um, Gatland would have been giving him one of his trademark fucking defensive prickly press conferences and the journalist would rightly be asking him how they failed to manage the game properly in terms of both attack and defence despite having a man advantage and actually got outscored after the red card. And rightly so. So yeah, we won. Like, And we did, imp- like, we, we did improve in some aspects of the game, but a lot of it was still fucking terrible. Like That would have been a bad day at the office in the Gatland era. And that's where we are now. Our best day is the equivalent of a bad day 18 months ago. And The defence was infinitely better, wasn't it? It was better. I mean, it was spent most of the game defending against 14 and still looked extremely fucking accommodating out wide. Like, you can see that they were doing some interesting things with the system to try and... You know, the problem with Wales' system 
is that the, you know the thirteen flying out of the line as they do leaves the fucking winger and the covering defender hugely exposed if they don't make the tackle, and you could see that they had the nine sort of covering outside the thirteen on channel to, to try and sort of stop that happening, and it was working certainly for the first sort of five or ten minutes, um, but then. Ireland just seemed to get penetration in the wide channels with relative ease, even with 14 men. And okay, the cover, the covering work was decent enough, but like Scotland are going to be licking their lips at the thought of fucking Doohan and Hogg attacking the outside channels next week. If that's how they're going to defend it. It's, it's, it's one step forward and two steps back with Wales at the moment. Like that line out. I mean, the line out was oh, that unforgivable. Yeah, that that's was a structural. Fucking, like that. that was fucking Keystone Cops level. Yeah. You know, in, yeah, in the autumn, we rightly fucking lambasted Wales's, you know, makeshift hookers for being dreadful. But, you know, Ken Owens is back now. You know, Adam Beard, who's a savvy line-out operator, is back in the team and it's still a mess. Like, that says to me that they're, something is wrong with their calls, the way that they disguise, you know, the way that they they don't seem to move around at all. To try and disguise it's it pre if movement. you're a pivot though, isn't it, in this? Because Pivak's gonna say to his forwards coach, get that fucking sorted. Yeah. Now. Do you know what I mean? You can't expect Wayne Pivak to be this well you oh, can't 100%. Least, you know what I mean? But it's but Jonathan Humphreys is absolutely not, you know, without blame for all this. You know, he's yeah. in charge of the forwards and it's his job to sort this fucking line. You know, in credit to him, the scrum is fine now. Hmm. You, you know, a, a large part of that has just been getting the good props back, but it's it was. But well, I mean, if you look at England on Saturday, there's there's a lot to be said for that being the simplest thing to do: get your best players playing, and it all yeah. comes together. You know. Yeah, you know, Wales's only on-purpose try of the game came off an attacking lineout. As it's you know, you have no fucking platform in the modern game if you can't secure your own ball, and and, and it's the most unforgivable thing to go wrong. Yeah, you can lift people in the air. You, you completely, at the, you know, you you can spend hours on this. You can time it to where you want it. There's just no excuse for you. one going slightly off is bad. Is you know all right. Yeah, but for it to be consistently that bad is just unforgivable. Yeah, and it is, and it's regularly, you know, even when Wales were winning their ball, you know, Ireland absolutely guessed right pretty much every time where the ball was going to, and that to me says Wales are. are Mess their calls are incredibly easy to decipher, or their moves are too simplistic that it's just obvious what's happening. Because every single, you know, no matter who went up, no matter where they were going up, they were going up fucking being molested by somebody in a green jersey. And, you know, I can understand that a lot of the time. You know, there's only three options, I guess, or four if you include fucking jacking it to the tail. But, like, you know, the stuff that they were having to do to get functional line-out ball, like that weird one where they just threw it to fucking Josh Navidi on his feet. You know, that's not good. Contrast like, it with George Turner launching that missile to Cam Redpath. <laughs> exactly. Like minute 12, whatever it was. It was you great, know, it, it's, it's really, but, it's not good enough. And you no, know, but no, it's not. But I think all you can look for, like it or not, six months ago, Wales are where they were. Does it feel like it's incrementally getting better? I think it does feel that way from what I, I think can it, see. it feels incrementally better from six months ago, but demonstrably worse from where it was 12 months ago. I know that, but you can only play what's... <laughs> you can only... We are yeah, where we are, aren't we? We, the thing, we are where we are, but where we are was 
in, you know, and I said it so many times, I'm bored of saying it, but where we are is where we are. It was entirely preventable. It didn't have to be this way, and I will never let that go, that it did not have to be like this. And it's just, it's boring. I'm bored of watching Wales be this incompetent with such good players, and I'm not going to be happy about it until they start playing like they fucking should do. I thought, I can't, I mean, Ireland are not a good team at the minute. I don't know if they're not a good team or if they're just an incredibly... They're a team that's just stuck in 2014. But that's what I mean, really. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? They haven't moved... I'm not saying they're untalented. As a team, they're just not playing that well. Um, And not really doing anything that should make anybody frightened. So as a result, I actually felt, apart from that mad five minutes at the end, when and I think that can happen in sport. I thought Wales had them fairly well contained for a lot of it. I they mean, did, even even that 14, break by Rings Road, Ring it was Road. fourteen men though. They fucking I, yeah, should. But we've have said been. before, haven't we, about how that's not quite what it is meant no, to be. But it's, yeah, it should be more team, dominant than it against was. A team like, against a team like Ireland that offer you almost no threat from broken play, you know, which is where teams can hurt you if you're. You but know, even play, like that Ring Rose break. I mean, Tipperick just turned around and Tippericked it within two seconds. It was like, oh shit, oh no, okay. Yeah, in fact, oh, the yeah, flank has done the his back, job there. Great. I think the back row played, you know, very well, having big Josh Levini back is a massive lift. Yeah. But like, yeah, I'm still waiting to see any evidence that this is going better than, it, you know, that if we're just going back to the mean of being, you know, a slightly worse impression of the Gatland era. Well, I guess you're going to find out next week, aren't you? Yeah, well, we're going to get fucking battered. And but I mean, suppose we have. Le- I'm very surprised. We have learned that George North can play 13, probably. Yeah, I mean, I still. Re- Zamet he- looks like he's here to stay. Yeah, you know? I still like to see George back on the wing, if I'm honest, because I still think that's where he's best. But he's shown that he's, as he's got older, his defensive game has improved to the point, and his reading of the game has improved to the point where you know Gary Ringrose is a fucking handful of 13. Mm, yeah, absolutely. and and you know. North did a really solid job, just as he did when he played there in the autumn. You know, Palatel played fucking... well, but I mean, that's the Palatel... oldest news in the world. Isn't it? Yeah, Tipperish played well. Alan when Jones played well, not if Mark, not if you're watching in your Mark Ring, but um, I mean that yeah. take by Mark Ring, Ring was, I mean, it's Ab- just one it's... of the most rancid takes oh, in the history. He, he of must takes. be doing it on purpose. He's of doing it on is. purpose because it was just ridiculous. Even if you don't think it was one of the greatest second row get... performances you've ever seen, which he wasn't, the idea that he's that showed he was past it. 25 fucking tackles. Unbelievable. <laughs> as well as scrummaging been, and clearing out. Because he, somebody like Mark Ring knows that he's going to get a phone call off Simon Thomas on the week, sometime this week, <laughs> asking him to talk about what he, how he would change the Wales team to make it better. And it'll be a nice clickbaity article for them. It's, uh, it's very transparent. But um, yeah, Ireland, man. What, mm. For a team that's made up of so many good players... They just make rugby look so hard, and it's and it's. How can you have a, a performance where Henshaw and Ringrose both played well? Yep, and yet your attacking play looks so awful, and it's basically because I think Johnny Sexton's done, isn't he? Oh, mate, Johnny Sexton is. There were he's a be- basically fucking straight up somersaulted the shark. They were a straight up better team with. You know, Billy Burns is getting fucking nailed on Twitter for fucking up that kick to such late on. And yes, Howler, obviously. But how much more fluent and threatening did they look without 
their fucking geriatric captain slowing the play down constantly. Like and fucking marding all the time. All he's How doing. How can you get to his age with his experience and still be so fucking mardy about everything? <laughs> he's shot, man. Like for all his sort of talk about. Tom Brady, when everybody talks about him retiring and how he wants to play till he's 40, he's fucking kidding himself. Like, if he wants a more accurate NFL analogy, he's Brett Favre, who kept playing (laughs) about five years longer than he should have in a manner that felt like he was trying to prove a point, but all he did was piss on his own legacy in doing so, and then he got his penis out. Now... Now nobody wants that. For, I, know, nobody, I don't like Johnny Sexton, wants, but yeah. nobody wants that for him. No, I don't want to see Johnny Sexton's penis. And you know, Billy Burns is not very good. I'm just going to say that he's <laughs> yeah. genuinely not. And the fact that Ireland looked much better yeah. with him at ten is a massive red flag. Imagine how good they'd be with Joey Carberry if he ever plays again at ten. Mm. You know, or, or Jack Carty. You know, like, fuck it. Why not? Yeah. Like. Johnny Sexton is a busted fucking flush and he just needs to be fucking out of that. But he's captain. But he's captain. So what do you, you know, Andy Farrell has made a fucking cat of nine tails for his own back (laughs) by that. (laughs) And until he just... And he keeps whacking himself with it and going, (laughs) repeatedly. He would do that as well. (laughs) Um, He wouldn't make a lot of noise because he's hard, but he would just be like... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, this Johnny Sexton will not retire. It's very obvious now that you're going to have to fucking retire him. And that's a hell of a thing to do for, you know, what is he, the second ever Irish player to win World Rugby Player of the Year? You know, arguably... All sporting Ireland's careers, endings, failure and being exactly. dropped, don't they? That's, Most you know, of them, Some players you just have to fucking drop. And Jonathan Sexton is not going to go quietly into that good night. He's going to fucking rage until you fucking snuff him out. And it needs to happen. Punditry chat. Mm. Um, What the fuck is wrong with Jamie Heaslip? He he sounds like he's a kind of mix between a a Butlin's red coat and a local radio DJ. I realised that I'd entered a sort of fuge state... (laughs) watching that game where I was just sitting there watching it and I was listening to the sort of play-by-play that Eddie Butler was doing but then I was sort of almost subconsciously just like I was aware that Jamie Heaslip and Jonathan Davis were talking but I just none of it was going into my brain and it was just as soon as I sort of snapped out of that state and realised that they were both talking and they were actually saying things, and I was listening to what they were saying, I was just appalled. Somebody said, welcome, Jamie, at the beginning, and he went, he went hey, guys, thanks for having me, guys. I was oh, like, what the fuck? Jesus Christ. It's like the world's worst waiter, you know. And then, it, and then it, at that point, the, the high tackle that was given, he went, oh, close call, that, guys. You're like, what the, what? Close call that guy's there on the old headshot. Don't forget to buy your tickets for the Motown tribute in the Stars Lounge on Friday. (laughs) Guaranteed to be a great show for everyone. He's like the commentary equivalent of a TGI Fridays waiter, isn't he? It's just like... Yeah, exactly. And I hate it when waiters call me guys as well. You know what I mean? You need to order guys, why don't you fuck off? (laughs) I've got my five pieces of flair here, guys. (laughs) Fuck off, Jamie. Yeah. Um, Yeah, awful. And, and really bad. So I mean, little I thought insight. 
There was such, you know, he, a genuine across all three games of the weekend, the quality of commentary and co-commentary was extremely bad. No, I thought actually uh, Waterman and Flatman were good. See, I disagreed there. I re- really? Like, people were saying that Nolly and Flatman were decent, but I just found that they were quite patronising and just, were, you know, they just seemed to be sort of drift, like half-finishing well, sentences a lot of the what time. What I like about Waterman in particular is when they say to her, when you say what happened there, she'll actually, whether you agree with her or not, she gives a mm. very clear explanation as well. Actually, they should have pushed left there because of that reason. And mm. I actually quite like but that about see, it. See, for me, that's drifting far too close to Jonathan Davis territory where she's, you know, where every, he will just tell you what you should have done every single time. And I don't his, mind his, that an, so much. his answer is always the same. No, and but I, I, I don't mind it with her because she actually seems sounds like she knows what she's talking she's about. She's better, but just... she's just verging too close to it for me. I don't like it. Speaking <laughs> of Jiffy, if you ever want yeah. an example of how much Jiffy does not give a fuck about rugby in between the times he's paid <laughs> to talk about it, right? Yes. Did you hear the fucking James Lowe kicking chat? Uh, yes, amazing stuff. Where well, he, he booted was, he it for amazed that, Jif- that James Lowe could actually kick the ball. I went to Jamie Heaslip. Is he renowned for his kicking? Does he kick a lot for Leinster, Jamie? Yeah, yeah. It's like, what? Well, it's I don't know, one I of did, the things he's most known watch. for is that he can boot it like fucking Buckaroo. <laughs> Literally, that just shows you don't watch any fucking <laughs> rugby, you no, absolute chance. He did bastard. not even watch the Wales games during the Autumn Nations Cup. Where James Lowe demonstrated that he had an extremely he's like, he's good left boot on him. Isn't he? He's absolutely untouchable. In I cannot media. understand why he is still getting fucking employed. Genuinely, don't a genuinely great player and genuinely had some, you know, and and was actually quite a decent pundit for at least a decade. And now he mm. just he obviously is bored shitless, and nobody's pulling him on it at all. No. He's, he's somebody that genuinely doesn't seem like he likes rugby anymore. <laughs> that is very like, true. He hates rugby, but he's still, he still, uh, he requires he likes, rugby. He for likes his, money. He so. likes money, exactly. He requires rugby for his living, but he hates it. And so every single game is just now just increasingly, Especially as his work is sort of drying up. He doesn't get any Scrum 5 work anymore because... So clearly he doesn't even watch it anymore. Yeah, That's so the he's thing. just... Well, he's if I'm not paid to watch the Pro I'm not, 14, to watch it, I'm I'm not going it. to. It's, it's so The fact that I might need to know something about these players so when I'm paid a fucking fortune to come out interna- to have a beer pundit at international rugby is, you know, by the by, I'll just turn up and... And actually just shows you the... He's, got, he's like a fucking shit college professor with tenure, isn't he? It's exactly it. Jiffy has Jiffy has tenure, and he is just fucking <laughs> shitting up the daring place people ever. to fucking pull him up on it. <laughs> oh, lovely! Yeah, well, and the, the fact that the whole of the particularly the Welsh rugby media just just wants to wants them to be his friend because he's such a legend. It's I know I fucking hate it. Man. Apart from Peter, obviously, obviously <laughs> he just fucking hates everyone. <laughs> yeah, but he's just basically the sort of journalist equivalent of Jonathan Sexton in that he should have retired about 15 years ago but he's still out there giving yeah. thermonuclear takes not on like us all very how, well considered yeah oh absolutely we spend I at we, least watch the fucking club games Jimmy. that's very true yeah I at least watch the Pro 14 <laughs> and the Premiership yes and sometimes the top 14 yeah. I have an interest in what players do in between the bits I'm getting paid for 
And, I, and honestly, if I got paid as much as you did, I'd be I happily be watching game a... tape Genuinely, from morning till night. If I was paid, you know, to watch rugby all day, I I would pay a lot more attention than Jonathan Davis does. But it's, I mean, it's even more in stark realization when you watch people like Hugo and stuff. Oh, 100%. And Hugo has a style that sometimes is a bit yeah, too yeah, overexcited, yeah. but he clearly fucking he works watches, at it. Yeah, and he watches, lo- and he's and, got loads yeah. better. As yeah. well, but even like Healy, who's a cock, at least he's actually got something to say about what's. No, happening that's very true. It. Actually, I genuinely think that the best of Austin Healy is when Austin Healy is watching, is watching an attacking move, and yeah. he then will tell you why and how it happened, and he will point out things that you've missed yeah. because, as much as he is a gargantuan cunt, <laughs> he was a devastatingly good attacking player. He was an unbelievably good attacking rugby player, and he can still read a game. And see, you know, the on spot the nuances, and I never see that from Jonathan Davis. No, it's always just bollocks platitudes, which might have been fine when you were doing it in, you know, it's the Alan. Well, customers Hansen demand fucking, more now, don't they? Yeah, That's the top it's the Alan Hansen, Mark Lawrenson thing, isn't it? Mm. That sort of punditry was acceptable in the nineties. But Hanson but, was a breath of fresh air when he came in. That's genuinely. true, actually. Yeah, but then you fast forward twelve years, he got a bit complacent. He had tenure. And he started, and then you get Neville, Gary Neville come along and showed everybody they're a bunch of lazy twats, basically. Yeah. Yeah, in the football. Mm. Yeah, anyway, sorry. I got really worked <laughs> up about that. Honestly, I actually, I wrote the notes while I was watching it because I didn't want to forget how enraged <laughs> I was about it to mention it today. Um, yeah, um, so, Gareth yeah. Davis's kick and, well, Gareth Davis was absolutely the worst Actual kick. Actual moron. Act, the worst genuine kick actual you will moron. see until three minutes later with Billy Burns. However... Yeah. Can I just go on record here and make the point very clearly? Gareth Davis's kick was roughly 12,000% worse than Billy Burns's. 100%. But Billy Burns was desperately trying to angle his kick from a not Billy entirely... Burns just caught it wrong. Billy yeah, he Burns caught it wrong because he was the worst decision in the history of Western yeah. civilization. At 79 minutes and 57 <laughs> seconds, decided to try and execute a two on one down the short I side. Wish I was and then in inception at that point. Yeah. And just go, right, stop the world. <laughs> Do you want to talk me through what you think was happening there? There's nothing happening. That's the thing. I mean, I've said it before and i said it again. Gareth Davis is an actual moron. <laughs> like, it's amazing. I'm amazed he's allowed out of the house unaccompanied to play rugby professionally. He is just the stupidest rugby player yeah. I've ever seen pull on a Wales jersey. And this is just, this is just the worst example of a, a career's worth of... Just really stupid decisions at key moments. Not allowed any sharp objects. Absolutely not. like a sponge knife to eat his dinner with. Yep. Everything. I mean, imagine thinking that Rhys Webb is somehow a a worse option as an international nine than a man that literally has one of those little fucking birds like on The Simpsons (laughs) that dips into the water in his head and nothing else. I think he... um, Talk me through what you think was happening there, Gary. <laughs> um, no, I mean genuinely, he does. He does have a game-breaking quality. Yeah. The trouble is, is that he demonstrated there that he he was he nearly broke the game in a yeah, completely yeah. different way. He, he nearly broke me with that, <laughs> and you nearly broke your sofa again. Yeah. I imagine it was just what he, you know that game was won and comf- You know, for at that point, Ireland's sort of sting had been pulled, and Wales were yeah. just kind of. Running like, out the last couple just of seconds. Be tackled. Be tackled. Recycle, recycle it. Yeah. 
Literally take, three seconds. Make three the seconds. caterpillar. And Josh, the Navidi, caterpillar. Josh Navidi could literally have just run into touch. <laughs> and Josh Navidi knew this, which is why you saw when he started chasing that kick, you could just see a look on Josh Navidi's face that was like, how am I here? It was like that sort of sitcom-like sort of... <laughs> like fucking record scratch. It's like, okay, so you're wondering why I've ended up here. Well, for some reason, Gareth Davis decided to kick the fucking Gareth, ball. I'm going to use all my Iranian wrestler strength to, to crush you like a concertina when this game is over. You could just see it in his face. It was just like, what's this guy doing? What's he doing? I mean, to be fair, at any other point in the game, it was on. Like, they had a three-on-two down the short side. It was on. But you still then don't kick it. You pass it. Pass the ball, Gareth. I know you... It's supposed to be your job. Oh. Anything else on this game? No. No. Spare me. Save me from this. Shall we talk about next week? Yes. Now, um, obviously, if you get involved in the Six Nations and you fancy having a bit of an interesting prediction game going on, we're... um, we're involved in this who knows wins.com. Indeed. You go who knows wins.com and get the app or play on there where you can sign up. And there's some money each week available and up for grab and a total. So basically, you, you pay to enter a league each week. You make predictions. There's money up for grabs. And there's also, so there's a weekly prize. There's a whole tournament prize as well. Yeah. A Scottish friend of ours had a very good weekend. Yes. This weekend. Uh, had a very good weekend. Got him paid for his Scottish rugby shirt off the back of. Uh... Because he had confidence in his own team. Yeah. So if you've got uh, confidence in your team and fancy, like, unlike Josh, you fancy Wales doing doing something at Murrayfield on Saturday. Yeah. Or, you know, if you just want to make yourself feel better. I, you know, I'm not much of a gambler, but I put five quid on the Kansas City Chiefs last night just because I was like, well, you know, if they win, then at least I'll have won 14 quid. (laughs) So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> now you've just you know. lost a fiver. So I've but lost gained, a fiver, but I don't care. But I'm really joy. happy. Yeah, exactly. Can you you can't put a price on joy. So, you know, maybe maybe operating, you know, you can be as pessimistic as I am if you're right. And generally, I'm quite right. So I picked so, Wales know. to win this week, thinking wow. I'm going to surprise everyone this, and that happened. But of course, yeah. I picked England to win. Yeah. So, you know, even when I'm somehow doing something all right, I still manage to fuck something up. So you'll at least come along, come along, join us, beat us. You can start your own leagues. You can make your own selections. You can you can let your friends know that in these leagues you can share it and all that kind of stuff. It's Indeed. five quid a week. No, five bucks, actually. It's literally oh, it's in a books. dollar. Yeah, yeah, it's a dollar. So five bucks a week to get in and, uh, and make a prediction. And that's at whoknowswins.com. So our predictions for this week on mm. Who Knows Wins. So you can come and laugh at these if you want. So let's start with Scotland versus Wales at Murrayfield. Josh, you think Wales are going to win that comfortably with the incremental gains they're making, yeah? Uh, yeah. It should, I mean, realistically, this shouldn't even be close when you look at them on paper. But I think, I don't know, Scotland have got all this confidence and Wales are battered and bruised, but they did show a little bit on the weekend of them being harder to beat than they had been, even though they might struggle to field the back line. But I, st- I think Scotland by 10 is sort of about where I'm thinking it. Um, well, Scotland seems to have started to struggle to score, but they know how to mm. grind out a win, which is mm, a, a nice thing to mix, isn't it? At some point, they may discover that scoring thing again. Yeah. Uh, but I do think the Welsh defence is better than it has been for a while. If anything, I think that's the most improved thing, actually. I know you disagree with me, but I think you did. But as you said... 
the X factor that doing Van der Weyer brings, yeah, continues to do that as well, doesn't he? Yeah. And Wales have got a lot of injuries now, haven't they? Again, they have. But then you look at you know Wales basically had two chances to score tries on the weekend, and to be fair to them, they did score them. Louis Rees-Amis's finish, by the way. Woof! Bizarre how that's become so predict like and not remarkable in modern rugby, like because players are learning how to do that. That kind of swan dive ago, and touch that, it down one-handed. Thing. Yeah, five years ago that would have been fucking all over the internet for days. Yeah, and perfect. now it's just like, oh, that's a really good fucking finish, isn't it? Yeah, good finish, but it's nothing like, more yeah. remarkable than that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's bizarre how easy you can get used to absolute athletic brilliance, isn't it? Mm. So I'm with you. I think Scotland. I know it's home's home advantage is. Mm. It's a funny thing, isn't it? it? Was great result for Scotland on Saturday, of course. But if it was full mm. of England fans, would it who be? knows? Yeah, ifs yeah, yeah. and hands with pots and pans and all that. Quite indeed. Uh, so yeah, I think we're going to go for Scotland on that one by about ten. England are playing poor, poor Italy at Twickenham, so they don't even yeah. have to travel anywhere. England, they can just sit and brood for a few mm. days and then get really worked up about it. And um, Eddie has said that there's going to be a forensic, yeah. forensic examination of what went wrong. <laughs> what a lot of shit people talk. I, I, could, I could argue that you don't need to be very forensic to no, see what went wrong. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I still think England by 25 at least though. I think England by yes 35 Yeah, I see your 25 and I raise you to 35 so England by 35 Billy Vodopolo will hopefully have a better week because he had three carries for zero metres on Saturday He's, yeah there's a there's a conversation in the same way that there was there's a conversation that needs to be had about Jonathan Sexton there might need to be a conversation needing to be had about Billy Vodopolo in a about six yeah. months' time, but we'll possibly get there. He hated gaining meters more than he hated that it's the same program that's been on Channel Four. <laughs> Maybe he stayed up watching it and it left him confused and angry, and that's why he's been so. Have you watched that, by the way? Uh, I haven't because I have it on good authority that while brilliant, it is a difficult watch. And a, I'm not sure mentally if I'm ready. It's for that a difficult right now. watch, but it is absolutely amazing. Yeah, and there's a Welsh lad in it. See, that's going to make it even worse for me. Yeah, I might wait until the sun is slightly more up <laughs> yes. than it is at the moment and then kind the of light go back evenings. into things. Yes. Yeah. And then we've got Ireland versus France in Dublin. Mm. Mm. See, injuries going to be quite key here because, you know, obviously Ireland are presumably not going to have Peter Romani. They're not presumably not going to have Jonathan Sexton. Is Keelan Doris out for the tournament? Who knows? Um, but, you know, they played very well down to 14. You know, they dominated the possession. They didn't give Wales a lot of opportunities in their half. I think it's going to be quite close. I, I think maybe France by five. Mm. Like I, don't, I don't think it's going to be as sort of comprehensive as it could be. I but think I, the way that Ireland play... And that new French defence, I think it could be more than that for France. Yeah? I think so. Okay. Well, I I, th- I just feel like Ireland are very good at stopping opposition teams playing. And while I don't think they'll be able to do it totally effectively against France, I do think that whoever plays 10 for Ireland next week, if he's not Jonathan Sexton, will be a lot better. They'll play a lot better with him. Yeah, maybe. We still think France, though. Oh, yeah. of margin. Yeah, I think a, a tight margin, a tighter margin than most people are going to think. But yeah, France by five. 
Okay. So we'll see how that goes. You can join in the predictions at whoknowswins.com and see Indeed. if that does any... You can beat that. Um, right then, so... Shit good ratings, is it? I think it probably is, yeah. Uh, should we start with shit? Have you got yes. any that you haven't mentioned already? Uh, Dan Lidget's injury. Yeah. Just absolutely Like a really shit one as well. Because, yeah, exactly. It's a like a non-contact knee just goes. They think it's an ACL. Yeah. Six tackles in ten minutes he did before that. And they were good tackles as well. The way that fucking um, Stander just did one of Stander's textbook, I'm going to fucking run over you things. And he just downloaded the fuck out of him and stopped him dead like he'd been shot with a rifle. And then Stander tried it that. on Falatau and succeeded. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, he got Dan himself Lydiot's... in a horrible position for that Falatau. Oh, he did. It was he awful. Had the wrong side and everything. Absolutely dreadful. But Dan Lydiot's there instead and Stander's just stopped exactly where he is because that's what Dan Lydiot does. <laughs> And it just showed that, yeah, he could still do it at test level. And Wales would have probably been a lot better with him. I think it was, ah, yeah, it was one of those horrible to see. Shit, we've got uh, Gary Gorge, a long-time patron and friend, gets in touch. He said, shit is Australians. And that, that, he just left it at that. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, Has he been watching Married at First Sight Australia? No, but I know you have. <sighs> I can't bring myself honestly, to watch it. Honestly. I keep, I keep going to... Hang on, no, no. I have got more detail and a message from Gary. That was what he put on the Twitter. Australians, <laughs> all of them, first they weasel their way out of the South African cricket tour then try to steal the Lions tour. Cunts, he says. I mean, he, he's got a position and he's forthright in it. He has and I, I admire it. Yeah. Andrew gets in touch. He says, shit is the abuse that Billy Burns got. Despite it not being his fault, he needed to land a pretty, div- land a pretty difficult kick in the 84th minute to give Ireland a win. James M.M. also says on this, shit is the reaction of Ireland fans to Burns. Understandable to be unhappy about it, but don't fucking tag him in, tre- in tweets. I'm pretty sure he knows. Oh, fucking t- taggers on Twitter are the lowest call. Yeah. yeah. No. Uh, James also says that good was a perfect weekend of Northampton Saints, Scotland and Wales all winning. He says, yes, I had a confusing childhood. <laughs> yeah. Toby Baker says, shit is Peter Armani's clear out. Yes. Yep. And he says, and also good is another example of red cards not ruining games for when this argument is made. Yeah. Absolutely true. Do you know what the incidence is of red cards because of head contact shit? Uh... I don't know. Probably do. not as many as people think. Yeah, tell me. I do, right. 31 matches there are between red cards for high tackles. I mean, that feels like a lot 31 less than it be. matches. That's how much the game is being ruined. Yeah. You can expect one a season one. on average. I mean, that's really not good, is it? If you add like, in da- it you, should be a lot more than that. If you add in dangerous charging as well, so not just mm-hmm. high tackles, that's your dangerous charging, then it's a red card every twenty two matches. Awful. Game's the gone, head mate. Oh, it's gone. You might as well yeah, not watch it anymore. Ruined. <laughs> um Toby Baker said I've done that one. Joe Brecher says shit. Nobody ever wants to seem to call it out and say that Billy or Owen Farrell haven't Billy and Owen Farrell haven't had a good game when was either their last genuinely good games for England it's a, it's World a question year for Polar, I think yeah I think both of them you could argue that the last time they really played to the best no, Vodipola played we well against are. Ireland in last year's, World, last year's oh situations. yeah he did actually yeah 
Still, that's quite a while ago. It was quite a while ago. Um, what have we got here? Peter Robins- Robertson gets in touch, says, Shit, is Jones's now stock response of, after every defeat, I didn't prepare the team well enough. Then when questioned on how, he says, no idea, mate. <laughs> he did, didn't he? He said, I didn't prepare them enough. Yeah. Are you trying to protect your players there? Oh, no, no. Head coach takes the fall. So what are you going to work on then? What are you, what are you going to prepare them with for next week? Oh, I don't know. You know, just a bad day in the office. <laughs> it's so a million pound a year. He's on. So disingenuous. <laughs> I don't know what he's on, but... Uh, um, what have you got? Anything? Jamie George was quite shit as well. Wasn't I he? Don't often, don't often say that, but he did not... It surprised me that he's 30. Like yeah, that sounds about right. He has been knocking it. He was in. He was in he was Hartley's in, shadow was, for a little. Yeah, while, that's the thing. He? he spent so long in Hartley's shadow. I keep thinking that he's younger than he is. But yeah, he's. Uh, it's rare that he has a bad game, but he wasn't good at all. Do you know what Vinopolo didn't play very well last year against England? He didn't play against that because huh? he didn't play in that game. I suddenly um, had a sudden memory that I'm going to play in that game. <laughs> it was definitely a game last year he played well. Anyway, it doesn't matter. The fact that we're struggling means it just shows you, doesn't it? It does. Um, Reese Knott gets in touch. He says, an evergreen tweet. He says, what shit is the number of injuries that Wales have? It's going to be a very difficult to hammer Pivak when he's forced to pick Josh Turnbull against, <laughs> against England. <laughs> I genuinely joked about... Uh... Josh Turnbull getting a call up the other day, and uh, now I regret it because it might actually just happen. If he ever gets to pick the same twenty-three for consecutive games, we'll find out whether there's any progression. Says Reese. Yeah, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Adam Reese says shit. Is there's so so many really really shit haircuts? Yeah, I've sort of become inured to it now. Like, yeah, whatever. And Graham G responded to that saying, I'd like to single out Johnny Sexton. He looked like a Polish football hooligan. <laughs> it's really, he's a man who should, like, like, he's never a man that's really sort of gone for the exciting haircut. But his sort of stiff shaving brush haircut is a lot better than this sort of whatever the shabby. fuck. Yeah. Uneven shabby. That's the thing. Looked like it's been done in prison. Yeah, it's like, he's literally, it's a, I've, one of the boys has shaved this in the hotel room vibe because if you get your head shaved at a barber, you know, they will make it, they will shape the line of your hairline so that it doesn't look weird. Mm. And he didn't do that and his hair looks weird. Did you ever have a shaved head at any point no, in your life? No, I've never shaved my head. I did it once when I was drunk at uni and it was, it was, hello, this is my nose and my ears. <laughs> I'm, I'm stood in between them. My name's Lee. It was terrible. Yeah, don't I've have had, the head I've, for it at all. I've had it very short, like, but never like properly. I've got really quite a large head, but most of it is my face and mm. my chin. And when I put a baseball cap on, it's, it looks like I'm wearing like a fucking yamulka with a massive like face underneath it. I put a baseball cap with the kids laugh their heads off. I have to buy like a trucker cap to give it some height. Do you know what I mean? Yes, yeah, yeah. No, I'm the same. I can't wear those ones that are sort of low, even though I do. The ones that are sort of... <laughs> the uh, cappy ones, yeah. yeah. they're too... The snug too, fit one. Nah, it's too much. Meanwhile, back at the rugby, uh, David yeah. McIntosh says, shit, were Farrell, Vanapola, George and Itoji, who were, due to the situation at Saracens, who were woefully short of match fitness and performed accordingly. He said, but good was Sean Maitland, who due to being well-rested because of his position at Saracens, had a storming game. Yeah, I tell you fun. what, a lot, a lot of people questioned... I told you he played well. I, I told you he played well. But it's, he's not I human. Told, so. I told you he played well, but he did give a lot of penalties away. 
and his influence on the game diminished as it went on. Also, the fact that he was wearing uh, presumably either a long-sleeve jersey or an undershirt re- and the fact that England were wearing that retro jersey really did make it look like he was wearing pyjamas and it was the 1950s. Uh, should we move on to God? Uh, yeah, like a lot of questions. As I was about to say, like a lot of questions were raised about the selection of Sean Maitland before the game, and mm. I don't blame people for it because it felt like an incredibly retrograde step to pick him ahead of some uh, much more exciting players. But I think it sort of demonstrates Townsend has kind of got the knack of this international coaching lark because eighteen months ago he would have picked one of Scotland's sort of exciting Will of the Wisp lads yeah, on the other. And Maitland really showed why he was rock solid defensively. He was good under the high ball and he even made that nice break. He's an excellent technician, Maitland. Yeah. And I mean that, he's like a proper international rugby technician player. Like Crusaders, isn't it? Yeah, fucking like, <laughs> yes, exactly. you know, the, that, that team, particularly in that era, which was the Carter McCaw era, they did not produce, you know, you look at somebody like John, uh, Johnny McNicholas, exactly the same. It's like, mm. oh, I can see you've been taught properly. And <laughs> yes. whatever physical gifts you may or may not have, you at least understand the way that this fucking game works in all facets. Uh, good eyed Andrew Porter. Yeah. I was really impressed with, particularly in the loose. It was all over the place. He was a right handful. Yeah, he got about, didn't he? Yeah. Um, uh, Tag Burn, actually, when he came on as well. Uh, yeah, just showed I think exactly what Ireland have missed for the last twelve months without him. It was like, oh, here's here's this big bloke who's fucking throwing offloads all over the place and passing really nicely. Yeah, very good player. Mm. Um, Jamie Phillips gets in touch. He says, "Good is thirty-seven-year-old Richard Hibbard scoring a hat trick in his fiftieth Dragons <laughs> appearance. Properly looks like sort of like." We've got a big bill from the Taxman tour, um, Motley Crue lead singer. 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's definitely just... I've got a bit too much weight on, but I still think I've got the sex appeal to pull this off. <laughs> yeah, and let's face it, he absolutely has. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you know, it's... You honestly wondered whether, you know, this would be like a year or two of, you know, rapid decline, and then, when he joined the Dragons, I mean, and then... You know, but he's he's got fifty appearances for them now, and he's still going strong. Relatively, you know, he's not the first choice at the Dragons anymore, but he's a really handy player for them to have around when Elliot D's off with Wales. William McDougall gets in touch. He says, "Good, it's the Scottish bench, yes." And uh, Hugo Keenan, speaking of excellent, do you know what? Absolutely, I'm never less than just really impressed every time I I see him. To be honest, quietly been moved to fullback as well. Yes, and looks very happy there yeah. and very comfortable there. Ali McFarlane says, we've not mentioned this already because it was keeping me powder dry for people to come in. Good, the Mish. Yeah. And I think yeah. he was good. Yeah, I was ridiculously good. Yeah, particularly that last turnover, which was just like, well, that's not going to happen. <laughs> I just, just love like... what an abrasive little anger ball he is. Yeah, he is. And he just he? exceeds expectations every time he gets the yeah. ball in a weird sort of way. That bit at the end, like he should be doing that at all. That bit at the end was just like where he, he won that turnover. It was literally, you know, he 
my first thought was there's no way he's done that legally because <laughs> teams are so good at sealing off the ball in that position. You have to, it's a superhuman effort to get in there and fucking rip it out without getting fucking smashed. But he fucking did it. And it just was the measure of him. He was so abrasive and so just like every time he got the ball, it was just, he wasn't doing that sort of thing that, you know, he wasn't the highlight reel Mish. But I kind of like him better this way when he's not the sort of, you know, ball of knives fucking yeah. throwing, running through tacklers. But he just, every time he got the ball, well, you know, just fucking smashed it over. That's all I like about it. He's still yeah. capable of that, isn't he? That's the thing. That's, he's just great. Yeah. And he's kind of, I know he's not small, but I like the fact he's kind of normal size. He's still thriving. At yeah, this. yeah. A bit like Van der Fleer, really, but more interesting. A lot more interesting. Um, Tom Dare gets in touch and he says, the, well, we talked about it, he said the Waterman and David Flatman double act. Funny, insightful and genuine. Josh doesn't agree. No, I, I, I was <laughs> left a little bit wanting, but, you know, different strokes in it. Rod Kimball's Tash says good is Artur Vincent. Doing a very fine job of mm-hmm. replacing Vakatawa. Got to back it up against the big team now. Yes. Uh, Peter says good is how positive I feel about a Welsh win, no matter how scrappy and possibly undeserved it was. <laughs> I still feel positive. He says shit is how much less positive I'm going to feel after having listened to Josh for two hours. Yes, well, there you go. Hello. Prediction. I do love the fact that people, loads of people comment about what your response to something's going to be. <laughs> It's nice to have a, a, a USP, isn't it? It is. And that USP is being incredibly negative. Yeah. Uh, Patricia says an eternal good is Antoine de Pont. Yeah. Yes. That's probably why she's marrying him. Yeah, indeed. Uh, David, McIntosh, David McIntosh gets in touch and says, good was Stuart Hogg absolutely thunder-cunting the ball from just outside his 22 <laughs> to the opposition five-metre-watt line. While Some English- of the kicking out of hand in that game was sumptuous, by yeah. the way. David continues, while the English back three wandered around aimlessly like a bunch of computer-generated guards on the N64 GoldenEye. I like it. Niche gamer reference. One more good for me. Yeah. Specifically, I won't, you know, I was critical of Wales' defence, but that moment on the 83rd minute where Ringrose did that break down the short side and 30-year-old Justin Tipperich with 83 minutes of rugby under his belt... Just, uh, just sort of sticks his head up and goes, oh, and sort of yeah, zooms dozen, across half a dozen and, paces. I think, yeah, he was there. Yeah, incredible. And then who's the first man in to support? And uh, the breakdown is thirty-six-year-old Alan, you know, twenty-five tackled Alan Wynne Jones. Finish that fella. Yeah, Finish. absolutely. Literally, and not he a, was not he a world-class tenor. Uh, he was at the he was at the ruck when he was standing. Literally, maybe two feet inside Tipperick, and he's a lock, and he's thirty-five years old, and he was probably half a step behind Tipperick in getting there. That to be to do that at that age, at eighty-two minutes on the clock, is just fucking outrageous. Eighty-two what an minutes, athlete. eighty-two years old, still manages to get there. <laughs> um, what have we got here? Welsh and elsewhere says good is Wales actually having some semblance of defensive shape. Yes, that is it is better. There was Josh. some semblance of it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I'll agree with that. Wales looking, he says, but shit is Wales looking like a poorly organised minis team in attack. Yeah, wouldn't go that far, but yeah. Phil says that good is Josh Gardner getting both the results for his teams on Super Sport Sunday. This is as happy as it gets, ladies and gentlemen. 
Yeah. This is as happy as it gets with Josh. Just, you know, 100%. drink it in. Yeah. Drink it in. And finally, Morgan says, good is Ellis Jenkins finally making his comeback after Imagine that. days. Straight, straight into the Wales squad, please. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, why not? And that, as they say, is that. Indeed. We had, ladies and gentlemen, shitloads of Honestly, shit good so stuff. many. Sorry we couldn't get through them all. Or I, I, can't, I didn't have time to read them all. There were so many. But thank no. you all for the way you engage with it. It really is one of the best parts about this. Yeah. So we'll and we will hopefully hear some more from you next week. Indeed. After round two, take care. So Bye. Long. Oh no! Is it everywhere? No, sure. Stay and sort that out. We can have dinner another time. Amazing. Whether it's cancelled plans, need to get in the kitchen and calm down, or the need for a quick, convenient distraction. Introducing Goodfellas Mini Pizzas. Four mini pizzas made with respect that cook in 11 minutes. Goodfellas Minis. Embrace the unexpected. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.